Hey friends, welcome back to the old fashioned on purpose podcast. So I'm doing a solo episode today because well, I have things to say and I don't have a guest. And so I just thought I would chat with you one-on-one today, which I kind of enjoy doing that every once in a while. So, um, today's topic, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. It's because it's been, um, something that's been consuming my brain for the last couple of months. I mentioned it over on my Instagram a couple of weeks ago, and you guys were really interested in it. You were asking for more information, and I sent it out um, over the course of a couple of emails. But sometimes with these topics, it's easier just to talk about them kind of in a conversational friend-to-friend sort of way. So if you get my emails, you might have heard some of this before, but I the I know there'll be some insights that come out just in the process of talking through it that will be new and hopefully interesting. So uh, before we get into all of the nitty gritty of today's episode, I wanted to give a shout out to this episode's sponsor, Toops & Co. Um, they are my absolute number one favorite brand of makeup. Um, I'm not a big makeup girl. You guys probably guessed that. I, I don't wear it all the time, rarely in summer when I have a nice tan, but in the winter, it's kind of nice just to um, get some of the red splotchiness out of my face. And I do enjoy a little bit of mascara just because it makes me look more awake and alert. And I'm not someone who's going to get um, eyelash extensions, just not high roll. So uh, I like mascara. I like a little foundation. And I have tried a number of different natural beauty product companies over the years. And Tubes & Co. is my number one favorite. They are a small business. They are family run. But the best part is their ingredients are super, super clean. There's a lot of junk in skincare. And um, Emily, the owner of Tubes & Co., is really committed to just good old-fashioned, basic, healthy ingredients. So I love their mascara and their um, concealers and their foundations. Maybe even more than that, I'm totally obsessed with their beef tallow face creams and their beef tallow balms. Um, I get really nerdy when we talk about animal fats. This is no exception. Um, And I've tried a lot of expensive skincare over the years, and I've got rid of all of it. And I just now use beef tallow. Um, You don't have to use five different types. You know, like when you use some skincare lines, it's serums and and different creams for under eyes. And, you know, there's a cream for every part of your body. And this is just simple. And it's old-fashioned, and it's sustainable, and it makes sense. So if you want to try out Tubes & Co., whether you're going for more of the makeup end of things or the moisturizers and the beef tallow balms, head on over to theprairiehomestead.com slash makeup. And if you use code homestead, you'll save 15% on your order. So go have a look. Let me know what you think. So, okay, on to the episode. Um, I want to talk about weeding today, but not the type of weeding you do in a garden, okay? Obviously, my garden is very dead right now. It is buried under very, very large snowdrifts. If you follow me on social media, you probably saw my posts. We have had an epic winter. We always have a winter here in Wyoming, but this year we've gotten more snow than I remember getting, and our roads have been closed more than I remember We've had more wind. It's just been really intense, which honestly, I kind of like. It's kind of exciting. I like being home. I like canceled plans because I'm an introvert. Uh, But my garden is very much buried, which is fine. It should be buried this time of year. It's the season for that. Um, So I haven't been weeding in the garden. But since roughly the first of the year or so, I have been doing a lot of weeding and pruning in all the other areas of my life. And it was something I felt really, really called towards as we closed out 2022. And I was thinking about goals and plans for this coming year. And that was 
the thing that just kept coming back to me over and over, the word streamline, I probably said it a hundred times in the last couple of weeks, streamline, 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 how can I streamline? And I think I was really feeling this way, or I have been feeling this way, um, because we've had some really intense growth the last couple of years. Um, we bought the soda fountain, which was amazing, but very intense and very chaotic. And I wrote my book last year, also intense and chaotic. And so it's been growth and excitement and moving forward. And I love it. I love growth. Um, I love everything about creation and building things. But I was starting to feel a little bit wore out at the end of 2022 and kind of feeling like things had gotten really um, scattered and chaotic and out of control. And I just needed a period to kind of bring it all back and organize and figure out what I needed to keep and what I needed to let go. And so I've been doing that the last few months and it's felt really, really good. And I wanted to share some of the ways I've been doing that in my life. Not that your life is exactly like mine, but hopefully it will give you some inspiration. Um, as we move into spring, you know, this, that season of growth is coming again. I know it is not just in my garden, but also as I get ready to launch a new book and there's other projects coming. Um, so I know growth is right around the corner, but I want to spend the next kind of depends on where you live. But for us, we have a couple more months of winter and early spring where I won't be doing much outside. And so I'm using this time to continue to streamline my life, to prune out the things that no longer work for me, are no longer producing fruit. Um, and just to simplify, simplify, simplify. So as I've been doing this, I've realized there are two different categories, um, at least for my life. This might apply to you as well. So the first category of things to prune or weed are the things that get forgotten. This kind of reminds me of um, if you've ever done a construction project or been on a construction site, you know, things are, all the energy is focused on the building and, you know, the house or the building is going up and the framing and the sheetrock. And inevitably you have this, the rubble that gets left in the wake of all the progress, the bits of two by fours, the grocery sacks, the, the drink cups, the extra nails, just all that trash and rubble. And so at the end of a construction project, right, you, you finish it, then it's time to clean up all the things that got uh, forgotten or left along the wayside as all this energy was focused on growth. And so kind of using that as a metaphor, but I found a lot of those things figuratively happening in my life over the last couple of years, as our, we've been so focused on growing and creating, there's just a lot of little pieces of our life that felt like loose ends that needed to be cleaned up. So a few examples of those. Um, I think the first one for us was subscriptions. This one's kind of painful because I thought I was really, really good about canceling subscriptions. Um, I always go into my phone and I check to see if there's anything that I accidentally signed up for and I cancel or I, you know, I always unsubscribe from newsletters on email that I don't like. And I thought I was unsubscribing from services that I didn't need, but I kind of did this audit as a part of my streamline process for this year. And I realized that there was a lot of stuff that I was paying for that I had either forgotten about, or I just was neglecting to cancel and it was redundant or it was an extra or it was excess or whatever. So I went through and found a lot of money leaks, um, both in our personal accounts, 
but maybe even more so in our business accounts. Um, I found out I was paying an extra like 150 bucks a month for an upgraded Zoom account that I wasn't even using. That felt so good to cancel. Um, we, Christian and I, now that he has a podcast and he's doing more, like we had accidentally signed up for duplicate accounts on different services and products. And so we decided we'd consolidate and one of us would keep an account and we could share it on, on some of the things that that made sense. Um, I realized we were paying a transcription service to make transcripts of this podcast, but then we weren't actually using the transcripts and nobody was really needing the transcripts. So I canceled that. There were just a lot of things that were falling by the wayside that um, not only did it feel good kind of energetically to clean those up, they weren't just that baggage weighing on us, but it also put a lot more money back in our bank account. So that's also a win-win. Okay, so subscriptions were number one. Number two, this one's kind of funny, but if you're a homesteader, you'll relate. Um, animals. <laughs> we have to audit and streamline our animals. Um, let me to explain, or, or allow me to explain. Um, I think there was a period of our homesteading journey, and I think this is really common with homestead folks like us, is you kind of feel like you need one of everything, right? You got to have the whole McDonald lineup to feel legit. And I totally went through that phase. I would say I'm not in that stage quite anymore, but there's some residual effects to that. Also, sometimes just in the chaos of life, we acquire animals, we end up not using them like we thought, and then they hang around and eat feed and cost us money. So I realized um, our chicken flock is a problem, which um, there's a lot of news coverage on chickens lately. So many, I feel like it's even, wow, just like even to bringing up the word chicken online is like this whole can of worms. But anyway, I'm not talking about chickens in that realm. And I don't plan to get rid of our productive chickens because I feel like it's really important now to have an egg supply now that um, eggs are going up in price. But we have, we're keeping a lot of chickens and feeding a lot of chickens that aren't productive. I think we have a good number of older hens that are not laying anymore. We have a lot of roosters. We had uh, purchased some show birds for my son who does poultry 4-H and a lot of those were roosters which is great. And we're keeping his roosters that he shows, but there were some excess ones that I'm like, we don't need this many, these many roosters. Um, it's costing us a ton in our feed bill, which is definitely not cheap lately. So we are going to be uh, culling uh, a number of our chickens that they're no longer producing. Um, I also realized this may come as a shock to some of you. We are not goat people yet. We have been keeping goats for a number of years. We've actually tried it twice. We did goats at the very beginning of our homestead journey. You may remember if you followed me a long time, I had a whole series called Goat 101. I was literally like one of the first people who was blogging about homestead goat ownership. Uh, yay for me. We decided after that phase, we kind of were not into the goat thing anymore. We got into the milk cows and we decided that was our um, preferred method of obtaining milk. But a couple of years ago, my oldest daughter thought she might want to do dairy goats, and I thought it would be fun for her to have that responsibility and learn to breed them and learn to milk them. And so we purchased some Nigerian dwarfs. Um, and as goats do, they had lots of babies. And so we had this population explosion of goats on the homestead, culled some of those, but we have these six goats left. They're decent goats. I think they have papers. I don't know much about goat papers, but I think they're good bloodlines. Um, but we're, we didn't want to breed them this year. We're not really interested in milking them because we have milk cows. And my daughter has a lot of other responsibilities now that she's more interested in. And the goats are just not shaping up to be her primary passion in life. 
I'm just not a goat person. I just, they're not my favorite. So we decided, why are we keeping these goats? Let's get rid of the goats. So we are actively selling the goats. We're also, also if you're listening and you're in the area and you want goats, call me. Um, we're also getting rid of an extra milk cow. I love my brown Swiss, but I do not need three cows in milk. That is not a good use of my hay or my pasture space. So we're going to be selling one of those and then we'll have two milk cows left. So we're just in that phase of rethinking what's standing outside in the pens. Do we really need all of these? Do we really need to be feeding all of these? And how can we release some of them and they can go on to bless someone else's homestead? So animals are tricky because I definitely am an animal lover. I love to have lots of four-legged things and two-legged things around, but um, sometimes they're not always the best when we're getting really strategic with our homestead operations. All right, number three, one of the things that I realized kind of got forgotten in the chaos of our life the last few years was clutter. And I feel like I'm pretty good about clutter. I kind of have a box I keep in the basement and it's a running go to Goodwill box. So as I'm cleaning, you know, I'm dropping stuff in there probably a couple times a week. And so I'm not someone who hangs on to a lot of extra. I tend to keep things fairly lean, but I realized there were two aspects of our life that were really building up. And I was telling myself, I need this. I need this. And I really didn't need it. I just was telling myself a story. And those two categories were books and clothes. So I love books so much. I have a book buying problem. Um, I love, I have just stacks of books all over my house. I just don't even apologize for it because it's just who I am. I love books, but I realized that, you know, in the course of ordering books or getting books used or having people send me books, there were some that I really loved and referenced a ton. And there were others that were more like the token books that I maybe read once or flipped through and I'm never going to actually use them again for whatever reason. And so I decided to get super strategic with what I was keeping on my shelves. I still want a really healthy collection of paper books, um, just because I think it's important to have something off of the internet to reference. And a lot of times that information in those books is so much better than what you find on Google anyway, because it's been curated and it's been edited and it's just more solid, but I needed to get rid of all the fluff. So a couple of resources for you here. Um, Ziffit is what I used to resell a lot of those used books. It's an app. I put it on my phone. It has this cool little scanner. And so I can scan the barcode on the book. And then it tells me if they're accepting it and how much they'll give me for a book. Um, some of the books, it's like five cents. So they're not almost not even worth sending in. But every once in a while, you can find books that are, um, you know, three, four or five dollars or more. Um, and depending on what you paid for the book or, or how much you like it, it might be worth it if you put together a box and send it in. It's not going to recoup all your costs, but it's better than nothing. So we donated books, we resold books, um, and it just feels better to have cleaner bookshelves. Now I have the books I really, really love, and I can find them more easily and enjoy them more easily. The other area is the clothes. And so again, I'm not a big clothes person. Um, I'm pretty minimalist, but I realized, again, there was clothing items and shoes and boots that I was keeping that I had worn for previous um, events or engagements in our life that I just didn't need anymore. So when I was doing a lot of doTERRA traveling and conferences, I had kind of this set of more official business attire or businessy attire that was a little more um, formal. 
And I had held on to that, even though I'm not doing those events anymore, I'm not traveling in those capacities. And I'm like, why am I keeping all these tops and um, high heels and stuff? So I liquidated all of those. And then there was just other shirts and tops and jeans that I had purchased that didn't fit quite right. And I was keeping them and I'm like, why are they clogging up my closet? And so um, some of the items I just donated to the thrift store. Others I've been able to resell using an app called Poshmark. I'm sure you guys, a lot of you have heard of it. Um, again, it's not like you're going to get top, top dollar, but if you have some of the name brand clothes, which I don't have a lot of name brands, I'm kind of a cheap clothes person, but um, if you have name brands, you can resell and get a decent amount of money back out of your items if they're in good condition. So I've been using Poshmark and also um, a, a new one I've been trying is ThreadUp. I can't speak to them yet because I just sent in my first box of clothes and I don't know, I don't think they pay a whole lot back to you, but it's still, um, you're going to get a little bit of cash back and it keeps clothes from going to the landfill potentially. Cause I've heard that a lot of clothes that go to the thrift store, sometimes they end up just tossing them cause they have so many clothes. So, um, anyway, it depends on the brand. It depends on the condition of the item, but it's nice if you have those gently used things to see if you can resell and recoup a little money at the same time. So those three areas, the subscriptions, the animals, and the clutter have been the biggest three ways that I have streamlined and helped clean up all the things that got left behind as we created and built over the last couple of years. And it's felt really, really good. I, I kind of have almost gotten a little bit addicted to like, oh my gosh, I found another subscription or I found another thing I could cancel or I found another thing I can get rid of. And there's something that happens, I think, just kind of subconsciously when we clean out all those pieces of our lives, even if it's not something we've looked at every day or worried about every day, it just feels really good. So um, if you need a little boost during these dreary winter months, or um, you just need a little bit of extra motivation in your life, I think that's a really good way to create it is to just get in there and start purging and cleaning. And uh, yeah, it gives you a little, a little pump of motivation. So that was the fun part of the purging. And then the second part has been definitely more uncomfortable, still really, really important, um, but tougher because I had to get really, really honest with myself about some of the stories I was telling myself. And you, you may have, I think I've talked about this before on the podcast, but we all carry certain stories and that can apply to many, many different areas of our life. And the stories are often there for a reason to protect us or to keep us safe at certain points of, um, you know, our lifestyles. But if we hang on to them, for too long, they really can handicap us. And I realized that that's what was happening to me as I was looking at where I could prune next uh, and shifted really into some of more of the areas of my business and those parts of my life. I realized that I had been kind of guarding bits of those and trying to um, protect the stories I had built around them. And it was slowing me down. It was bogging me down. So this next category, I like to call it the things we need to question. So the first one is the things that get forgotten. Those need to be cleaned up and pruned. And the next area of pruning is the things we need to question. So the first one of these uh, was super hard for me. And that is um, I closed down a program that I had created. And you've probably heard me promote it on the podcast. So uh, last year, I launched a program called Freedom Foundry. And it was actually a new iteration of a different membership program that I had been running for a couple years. Uh, and so kind of the goal of it was to help people do a deep dive into self-sufficiency and getting more independent. And we had playbooks and guest calls and things like that. 
It was a good program. Um, We had great members and we were going along smoothly. And then as I started to get really strategic and kind of question my own stories and the things I was holding on to from the past, and I looked into what's coming down the pike for us in 2023 with various projects and things that I know will be happening, um, I started to realize that I was right on the verge of stretching myself way too thin. And if I didn't release some of the commitments I was holding on to, uh, I was going to end up creating a big problem for myself, hitting a wall and potentially uh, dropping all the balls. And so I started to ask myself, you know, what, what do I need to let go of? What do I need to release? What do I need to close down? And Freedom Foundry, as I talked to uh, my assistants and I talked to my mentors, and I talked to Christian, Freedom Foundry kept coming up both from in my own self and with the people around me. And initially I was very resistant to it because I'm like, no, I can't. I can't let that go. I, I'm too embarrassed to close down a program that I started. What are people going to think? Um, I don't want to let people down. And as I started to really push back against those stories and, and get strategic on how we could do it with integrity and not leave people hanging, right? I started to realize that it really actually was the best call. And so um, we we closed it down. As of March 1st, it will be completely done. And we talked to all the members and we gave refunds to people who still had time left on their membership and everyone was super understanding. And it ended up, um, not being as scary as I thought it was uncomfortable because it's kind of like, who wants to go tell people who are your customers that you're closing down a program. But when we made the decision to start the process of closing it, the weight that lifted off me was major. Like I could feel it just in my body. So I knew that was the right choice, but not a, not a comfortable choice. And I think that's something we have to remember as we prune, even in the garden, pruning a fruit tree, isn't necessarily fun. Like when I prune something, a bush or whatever, I always feel, Ooh, ouch, ouch, ouch. As I'm cutting off branches that seem healthy enough. Right. Um, or even like, I'm really bad at this, honestly, uh, thinning beets or thinning carrots. Like I hate doing it because it's painful. It's uncomfortable. I just want to let everything grow and everything live, but we can't do that because if we let everything grow and we let everything, um, keep fighting for resources, then nothing is as good as it can be. So it requires us to cut out the things that, um, no longer are a fit. And definitely sometimes that is painful. It's a painful process. So the first thing we pruned was, was Freedom Foundry. And if you're listening to this, I'm sure you're already aware because we've sent you a lot of emails and have been in contact with you. If on the small chance you missed our emails, I think my assistant Chris sent out like no, no joke, 10 emails. So, but in case they went to your spam folder, you have a broken email address or something, and this is news to you, um, you're welcome to reach out to us and we can you know, make sure that you're good to go and give you the instructions on how to access the content moving forward. So just a heads up on that. Okay. So, um, the next tough thing that I questioned and that was a little more uncomfortable than others was my routines. And so I had told myself I'm pretty efficient with my time. You know, I get a lot done. And I had told myself that my routine was about as um, clean as it was going to get. It was about as organized and efficient as it could be. And of course that wasn't the case. There's always ways that we can improve and strengthen. Um, but one of the pieces that I was kind of holding on to was the fact that, uh, I was around TV, believe it or not television. And every night I had kind of gotten into the habit sometimes with Christian, sometimes he'd go to bed and I'd watch it by myself, but we would watch a show on Netflix or Hulu. Um, and sometimes the shows were really engaging and fun and it was, you know, entertaining to watch them, but I kind of had gotten in this rut that I had to watch something pretty much every night if we weren't out and about or 
hanging out with friends. And I had told myself that I had to keep doing that because it was the only way I could wind down in order to go to bed. And it was my routine and it was what I deserved. And it was my, it was a rut really is what it was. And so, um, we also let, had let our kids watch a show, usually around 4 p.m. They'd do their chores. They'd come in and watch a show while I would cook supper. And we had started that when they were toddlers, which honestly was a lifesaver when they were toddlers. I have zero shame over that because there's like that witching hour when you're a mom and the kids are done and they've been playing all day and they're tired and you need to cook supper and everyone's tired of each other. And so we would, I would turn on a show for an hour and made everyone's life better. And so we had kind of... Um, kept that routine going since they were toddlers. They're not toddlers anymore, but they were still watching things. And I kind of told myself, well, we can't like stop that with them because they're used to it. They've done it since they were four years old. And so I had these stories around television. I'm like, I, I need it. I have to have it. We're not watching that much. It's fine. It's, I'm not watching as much TV as other people are. And so we were, I was holding on to that um, story around TV. Now, TV isn't necessarily bad. There's been shows over the years that I've really enjoyed that have broadened my thinking that are fun to watch with family, blah, blah, blah. But for us at this particular season of life, I kind of started to think, and Christian did as well, that maybe TV wasn't serving us right now in this season. And so we realize also that when we get really tired, like when we would um, have a day that was just exhausting, we would kind of flop onto the couch and TV TV would be our default activity. And we didn't want that to become a habit. So after questioning, it was mostly me questioning my stories and kind of fighting against it, we decided to start a TV fast on December 1st. So we shut off our Netflix and Hulu subscriptions Um, We have doors on our TV. We shut the doors and we we haven't opened them. And we committed to doing that at least until March 1st. That was the plan. And I just have to say, this was, it was shocking to me how quickly, let me rephrase it like this. It was shocking to me how much we didn't miss it. Like I kind of thought we'd go through withdrawals. The kids, oddly enough, when we announced that we were (laughs) turning off the TV for three or four months, they were like, cool. Okay. Like there was no weeping and gnashing of teeth. I think they kind of knew that, they were watching just out of obligation and maybe weren't even really enjoying it that much. They were just doing it because it was something to do. So they were cool with it. And I realized that a lot of the times I was just scrolling through Netflix, trying to find something random. You know, I'd, I'd watch a show that was, I enjoyed and then I'd finish it. And then I just would try to watch anything else or something else just to fill the time. And it was, it wasn't improving my, um, knowledge base. It wasn't inspiring my thinking. It wasn't anything good. It was just mindless consumption. I didn't miss it. And so since that time, we have all read a ton more books. Um, One of our new favorite traditions is to light our oil lamps and read books in the evenings after we do the dishes for supper. The kids love it. Um, I like it. It's cozy. It's perfect wintertime activity. Um, We got the kids leather kits and rawhide braiding kits for Christmas. And so they've been doing those skills in the evenings instead of watching a show. and it's been awesome. Like everyone has thrived. There have been very, very few times. Like I can count on one hand how many times I've been like, oh man, I kind of wish I could watch a show. The kids have been more creative. They've been cooking more. They've been reading more. They've been creating more. Um, and I don't think we're going to turn the shows back on after March 1st. I think we're going to keep the subscriptions canceled. That's not to say we won't watch a movie every once in a while. Maybe rent something on Amazon Prime. Um, but I think our days of just watching TV out of obligation are, are over because there's 
it's not that it's wrong to watch all those shows. I know you could argue that TV's evil and yeah, there's definitely parts of TV that are, are bad. Um, but inherently it's not evil. It's just, what are we replacing when we're watching TV? You know, it's a time suck. What are we spending those precious time, that precious time on, or what could we be doing with it other than sitting in front of an hour long show every single night or every single afternoon? So that's what I've been thinking about around screens lately. Um, and it's, I guess when we're talking about pruning, that one was hard to grasp at first, but it's one of those times when you prune something, it starts to feel really good, um, not too far into it. So that one was really, a really a good thing. And then we got to see the fruits of that decision a lot sooner than some of the others. So highly recommend it. If you haven't tried a TV fast, try it. It's not like you have to do it forever, even just a month, try it for a week. Um, but it's pretty enlightening how much time you can spend sitting in front of a screen and not realize how those hours add up. Okay. And so my final, um, big pruning, uncomfortable pruning piece was around my businesses. And so in this realm, I had told myself, um, the story and talk about breaking down these stories. And the story was my businesses are pretty much as efficient as they can be. And I feel rather silly even saying that because it sounds so, <laughs> so ridiculous. Like, of course they could be better, but I had kind of, um, been defensive around the systems and processes that I was using in my businesses. Cause I was scared to delve into changing them because I didn't want to deal with it. I was too stressed. I was too busy. I was too overwhelmed with other things in my life. And I'm like, dealing with that is the last thing I have bandwidth for. And so I just kind of let it stay in this little wall of, of, um, sameness, didn't question it and plugged along. And so as we got into this mode of streamlining and pruning, I realized this was an area I really, really needed to address. And so even though my businesses were functioning and they were profitable and all those good things, I had those good things working. I realized that there was a lot of redundancy happening. Um, and it just happens after time, over time, right? You, you hire people and you create things and you subscribe to things and it's all good and it's exciting and it's part of that growth. But then over time, some of those things um, become not as applicable or not needed. And you have to make that call as a business owner when to let things go. So the first part of this process was letting go of the things that we were kind of doing um, robotically, for lack of a better word. There was a lot of things we were doing that... Um, I had started at one time because I had heard someone talk about it or I thought it was a good idea or, you know, I was like, well, this is just what online business owners do. And so we had, had started it and then I was failing to examine to see if it was still worthwhile. So some of those things, um, like the podcast transcripts, I, I told you about those a minute ago. Um, we were running certain Facebook groups that were just not doing much, but we kept them open because that's just what you had to do. Um, my assistant and I started to reevaluate how we were posting on social media. There's been patterns that she's been doing for years because that's what worked years ago. And I was like, wait a second, does this work still? Or do we need to reevaluate? Is this resonating or not? And so it's asking those really hard questions. And for me, most of those questions start with what if, what if we did it differently? What if we tried something else? Um, but it's so easy to get in those ruts and not just in business, but in every area of life, we just assume that this is the way you do things. And this is the only way it can be done, but that's really rarely the case. And so often we build these walls and even prisons, I think 
around ourselves and not really realizing that the door was open the whole time. You could walk out and try something else. But I know, at least for me, it's so easy to get locked in and go, no, no, this is the only way. I have to do it like this. This is what everyone else is doing. And then we just keep plugging along, whether it works or not. So um, acknowledging those busy work tasks that both my assistant and I were doing just because it worked at one time and letting those go if needed was really, really uh, important. Another piece of this, which was definitely the hardest part, um, I let a couple of part-time employees go. And it's not that they, they were great people. They did a great job. But I had realized I had hired for a period of time and I had created a lot of redundancy. I had people kind of double hired for the same jobs. Uh, and that's not a great strategy. And so um, I had to restructure and reassign and realign all the tasks on my team and kind of figure out who was doing what and then get more strategic on making sure that's happening with one person instead of two people kind of doing it in tandem, but not really. So that was tough. I do not like letting people go, especially good people, like makes my stomach turn. It was extremely uncomfortable. Um, and they were understanding, but still it doesn't, it's not my favorite. I don't like it. (laughs) So, but it was needed and it was necessary, uh, just to keep things flowing and moving forward and pruning and streamlining to set the stage for healthy growth down the road. Um, So those were kind of in my online business realm. At the Soda Fountain, things are going pretty good there. You know, we got done with the remodel and we have a good crew of employees and everything's plugged along. The chaos there kind of feels settled. And that gave me an opportunity to look at um, our systems and processes. And I realized, you know what? There's things we could do better. There's things we could do in a less clunky way. And so over the last few months, we've reworked the menus. Um, this is just silly, but I had initially printed really big, like legal size paper menus. I did it because I thought things would fit on there better, but we have small tables. And so when you'd seat four people around a table, their menus like overlapped and it was kind of silly. So I was like, this has to stop. So we reworked the menus and got them in a smaller paper size it sounds like not important, but sometimes those little things make a big difference to your customers and just how things flow. Um, we thought about how we can make our customer experience better. We've been tweaking our processes there. We got rid of things that weren't selling. Um, and then we have been talking about how to make our top sellers, which are our milkshakes and our sodas and our burgers, even better. And so we've been scheming how to make house-made syrups. Right now we use kind of your classic coffee house syrups for some of our things. That's what the previous owner did. And we just kind of rolled into that. And I'm like, wait a second, do we have to do it that way? What if we try something different? How could we make this better? And so we've been playing around with recipes for uh, soda syrups that are homemade. I will say, little <laughs> rabbit trail here, that has been difficult. Also, homemade root beer syrup, I'm not sure if it's even possible. We haven't given up, but um, it's really hard to nail the taste that we all know and love. So that's been an exciting challenge. Uh, but anyway, we've been working on that and it's just fun. Those are some of the fun things. Not all of this has been fun, but some of the fun things have just been questioning. Well, how could, how could we make it better? I know that everyone else uses coffee syrups, but do we have to use coffee syrups? How could we streamline? How could we, um, make it more local? How could we make it more organic? So I enjoy those parts of the question asking process a lot. And then over in Genuine Beef, our other business where we ship our beef across the U.S., we have been updating product descriptions. We realized there were certain ways that we were writing about the products that were confusing to customers. We started to look at some of the emails we were getting and we're like, hey, we could do this better. 
we could do this in a way that reduces the questions that are coming in and make a better customer experience. So uh, we've been adjusting that. We have created a better outreach program so we can educate people about our beef and help them understand what they're getting and how to cook it and how to make it taste better. Um, and then developing those procedures throughout each part of the business. So that has been, there's been a lot going on when you combine all these things together, both the, the pruning and the purging and then rethinking systems and writing new procedures and, and getting clear. Um, but it's been, it's been really, really good. And I'm proud of um, how the team and I have been able to stick with it. I love when you set that intention and you know it's going to be tough, but you stick through. So that has been rewarding, even though pieces of the process weren't necessarily fun at the time. So that's my that's my spiel. That's how I've been um, cleaning out pieces of my life right now. I think this season is a really good time to do that. Winter is that period of slowdown, and I'm as I get older, I'm really trying to respect that. You know, it's not, I don't need to be outside growing. I don't need to be out digging in the dirt right now, even though sometimes I get that urge. It's okay to be quieter and more still and to spend more time reading and thinking and writing and getting clear and getting rid of the fluff. And so I encourage you um, to do a little bit of the same. We still have, depending on where you live, you might have a couple, a month or two more of darker nights and wintry weather and really lean, in, lean into that. <coughs> Excuse me. I think it's really worthwhile. And no, your pruning process will not look like mine because our lives are different, of course. But um, hopefully you can be inspired by some of the questions I ask uh, and knowing that even when it's hard pushing through and getting really honest with ourselves, which isn't always easy, right? Um, it pays off and it's worthwhile in the long run. So I'm, I'm continually shocked at how many of the things that we assume are the only way and this can apply to so many things, but we assume there's one way to do it, or we're already figured out the best way, or this is just how it is. That's really rarely the case. There's so often we can bust open the box or climb over the wall or walk out of the door and blaze a new trail. We, there's so many ways to think around and work around obstacles or ruts that we might find ourselves in. We just have to be willing to think outside of the box. And in just a few short months, we will be out of this pruning season. Um, we'll be back into growth. The prairie will be green again. I'll have seedlings popping up in the garden. And um, I know I won't be as focused on this. I, I won't be worrying about what subscriptions I have to cancel or processes to rewrite. And that's okay because to everything is to everything there is a season. And I love that we can take hints from nature in structuring our lives and see how that works out in terms of there's a time for rest, there's a time for growth and there's a time for pruning. So I wish you the best as you hopefully spend a little bit of time thinking through those things in your life. Um, also, if you like this sort of content where we kind of think about some big thoughts and apply them to our lives, it's like the worst call to action ever, but that's what I got for you. Um, I've reworked my newsletter and that's been one of my pruning processes. I realized that my old way of writing my newsletters, which some of you are probably on my, my email list. So you were getting those emails. I just lost my passion for them. They just didn't feel exciting. I felt like I was just emailing you guys out of obligation every week. It didn't feel good. And I'm guessing you guys weren't very excited to read the emails either. And so this is one of those areas I sat down and I'm like, what do I want to do with this? It either has to feel authentic or I'm not doing it, right? I'm not doing this anymore just because some guru told me to email weekly. And I thought, well, what kind of emails do I like to read? 
I like to read emails that are from real human beings that aren't just like corporate sounding, right? They're not just trying to tell me to go click on a link elsewhere all the time. Sometimes I like to click on links and emails. I find useful things in emails to go explore. Uh, but I want to hear people's stories and their thoughts and their takeaways. Uh, so I thought, you know what? I'm going to write the newsletter that I would like to read. And that's what I've been doing, I think, since early January-ish or so. Um, I've just been writing in a different way, and I've really, really enjoyed it. I actually look forward to sending these emails every week. You guys have been giving some awesome feedback. I think you've been enjoying it as well. And that's what inspired today's podcast. This was actually a two-part email that went out um, a couple weeks in a row. And we talk about all kinds of things. Sometimes it's thoughts like this. Sometimes it's um, things that I've been ruminating on as I've been outside. Sometimes it's around homesteading or old-fashioned living. Sometimes it might be extras from a podcast guest that I was kind of thinking about after I interviewed them. Sometimes I might be sharing things that I love, like beef tallow. <laughs> um, so, you know, the sky is really the limit with it. But I invite you to join me um, if you want to get those in your inbox every week. I usually send on Wednesdays. There are exceptions sometimes, though. And you can go to theprairiehomestead.com slash letter, L-E-T-T-E-R, to sign up. It's free, of course, and I don't spam you. And it's just words come into your inbox like a letter from my homestead to yours. So I'll drop that in the show notes as well, but love to have you join us. Um, if you just want a different sort of newsletter that's not salesy or, or annoying or spammy. So anyway, friends, that's what I got for you today. I hope you enjoyed this solo episode. Um, and I wish you luck as you do some pruning and some streamlining of your own. So I will catch up with you on the next episode of the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast. Thanks for listening.